right, let's go ahead and open in prayer. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for how much you love us and you care for us. We thank you for your provisions. And we just ask you to help us to see what you'd want us to see from this scriptures that we're going to look at today in your son's name. Amen. Revelation chapter 17. This one. And there came one of the seven angels which had the seven vials and talked with me, saying unto me, Come hither, and I will show you unto you the judgments of the judgment of the great whore that sits upon the many waters, with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have made drunk with the wine of her fornication. So he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw a woman sit upon a scarlet-colored beast full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. And the woman was arrayed in purple and scarlet color and decked with gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. And upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the abominations of the earth. And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And the angel said unto me, Wherefore do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and the, and the beast that carries her, which has the seven heads and the ten horns. The beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the loathsome pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world, when they beheld the beast that was and is not and yet is. And here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. And there are seven kings, five are fallen, one is and one is not yet come, and he, when he comes he must continue a short space. And the beast that was and is not, even he, is the eighth and is the seventh and goeth into perdition. And the ten horns which you saw are ten kings which have received no kingdom as yet, but receive power as kings one hour with the beast. These have one mind and shall give their power and strength unto the beast. These shall make war with the lamb, and the lamb shall overcome them. He is the Lord of the lords, the king of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. And he said unto me, The waters which you saw are the where the horse sits are the peoples and multitudes and nations and tongues. And the ten horns which you saw on the beast, these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire. For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and to agree and give their kingdom unto the beast unto the words of the Lord of God be fulfilled. And the woman which you saw in the great city which reigns over the king of the earth. Okay, now you all understand it. We'll go home. <laughs> all right, let's do it. let's look at verse one. These are the ones with, and one of the seven angels which had the seven vials talked with me and said, "Come, and I will show you the judgments of the great whore that sits upon many waters." So he's going to start showing him these various images, and he's going to start with this woman that's called a whore, a prostitute. And it's sitting on the many waters, and we saw at the very end, many waters is above, above all the world, all the nations, all the, all the multitudes. And with whom the kings of the earth have committed fornication, and the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with the wine of her fornication. And so we're looking at this. This woman that we're going to see, as it's described here, she wears on her head, uh, written on her head is Mystery Babylon, the great, the mother of harlots, the abomination of the earth. Mystery Babylon goes all the way back to the Babylonian, the, the Tower of Babel. 
okay? King Nimrod started this, started this whole set of religions, and it wasn't really Nimrod that did it. It was Satan working through him. But he started the basis of all false religions since that day. And all the false religions have their roots in this religion that this woman represents, which is false religion. Okay, anything that's not God is the false religion, and, and they all have their roots in this, this woman, this, this mystery Babylon. And it's uh, very intense, it's been around forever, and, and it says the kings have committed fornication. There's so many nations that have been built upon religious systems. And we know them even today. Most of the Middle East is what religion? Muslim. Muslim. In the, in the uh, Far East, most of them have some form of Buddhism yeah, or Zen. Right. Zen is kind of the foundation underneath most of them. <laughs> but they all have that same kind of mysticism. Mysticism. Uh, yeah. So like all of those, like Buddhism and, and the Muslim, they, they will go to hell because they're not believing in God. They're believing in their God. Isn't that correct? Correct. They don't okay, believe. They're, they're living on works. And yeah. I've said this many times. All the, anything that's not Christianity is all based on some form of do more good than bad and you're okay. Whether it is literal, like in the Muslim and the Krishna, where you do more good than bad. In, in, in uh, Krishna, you... Uh, and Hindu and those religions, you keep getting reincarnated until you do enough good to be. But like what well, you said before, um, Jesus, God, in different languages say a different word, and I didn't know if Muslim was just another. No, word. no, very different. Okay, they're not, okay, so they don't. Their God is not Jesus. The Muslims are working real hard to try to say our God and Allah yeah. are the same. Well, not necessarily the Muslims, but. The general populace are saying, well, you both worship one God. Well, our gods are totally different. Allah is an angry, you know, uh, God that you've got to please. Our God is one who has provided for us because he loves us so much. He gave so, so that we could be. people are false prophets than the ones that are believing in their God. Right. They're, they're, headed to, they're headed to hell because of that. And every religion is based upon that Mystery Babylon, do good, do more good than bad, and you're going to be okay with the God. And whether, and even in Buddhism, it's it's a mental thing, you know, purify your mind and your spirit until you finally get into this perfection and enter nirvana. Enter nirvana. And yeah, pantheism believe that to the atoms that God is in everything. Yeah, the pantheism believe well, pantheism believes that God is in everything, and you have to treat everything, you know, because you'd be hurting God if you didn't treat things good. And so. But again, even there, there's this whole idea of be good, be kind, do right. And Christianity is the only one that says every person's headed for hell unless they accept the gift of God. And so this is this, is this picture of false religion. And the mother of all the false religions is this woman, this whore that sits there that tries to drag people away from God into religious whoredom. Oh, so that's, I thought I was really wondering about how that woman, you know, how did, what was her, you know, like how you said, then she's trying. She's the mother of all the, all, the, all the false religions, and all of them spin off of her in some way. And, uh, it's almost like she's like Satan then. Basically. Yeah. I mean, basically. Yeah. Satan was behind Nimrod as he yeah. developed this system. So it is all a satanic, yeah. satanic in origin. 
And if people are in these other religions and they truly are trying to find God in the midst of that, God will show himself to them or get somebody to talk to them. There are many Muslims right now that are that are coming out, that are, that are becoming to Christian. To Christian. Yeah. Why? Because they have a dream of Jesus saying, I am the way, I am who you're looking for. Okay, because they are truly looking for the true God, the true God and, and, God, and he won't let them worship a false God yeah. in the process he, because they are desiring that he, he sends visions to them and, or somebody <laughs> if, they, if they can. So this woman is, is false religion building upon, and, and it says that the inhabitants of the earth have been made drunk with her fornication. And we see a lot of that, that people are, get very, very adamant and, and zealous about their religion, and it's the wrong religion. And it's basically there's this drunkenness that they have because they're so zealous. And what's really sad is Christianity, because we get a gift, you know, we tend to kind of forget to serve God in many times in many ways. And God is saying, I want you to be this just as zealous, but do it for me. Yeah, not for like what she's doing it for. Yeah, I was listening to a pastor on the way in here today, and he was talking about the first church, how 12 men and about 120 loosely connected followers turned the whole world upside down. Why? Because they were willing to do anything that God asked them to do. And there's so few Christians that are really, really, really ready to step out and do sacrifice. what God wants to sacrifice. do. Sacrifice, but just realize it's all his anyway. And, you know, if God says go, do we go? If he says do, are we doing it? And many of us will say, you know, well, I'm not so sure. I came from a church where the greatest desire for people were for their children, especially their, their boys, to become pastors or missionaries and their girls to become, you know, go out in the mission field. And I've been in other churches where, well, I really believe in missions as long as it's some other kid. <laughs> as long as it's somebody else's kid. I don't want my kid to go to the mission field. And God is saying, why? You know, he gave us our kids. He gave us our lives. He gave us everything that we own. And he just is asking us, are you willing? Uh, Mark was telling me the story that I'm sure he heard on one of the radio channels. You know, you know the pastor's asking this guy, you know, if you had two pigs, you know, two cows, would you give give one to God? And he went down this whole list, and he goes, well, would you give two pigs? And he goes, hold on, you know, I have two pigs. You know, <laughs> and you know, a lot of people are that way. God had, you know, if I win the if I win the lotto, God, I'll give you <laughs> a whole bunch of money. Well, in reality, no, they wouldn't, because if you're not going to give God money when you don't have it, you're not going to give yeah. God when you do have it. The woman that gave out of her poverty. The, the widow's might. The other people, the wealthy people are giving out of their yeah. surplus. And when you have nothing and you give to God, that's a, that is a sacrifice to you. If you had a million dollars and you gave even a, you know, three or four hundred thousand, what's three or four hundred thousand to, you know, compared to your million? You can only spend so much, so much, so much money on, on, on things. And so this woman represents false religion. And verse 7, so, she, so he carried me away in the spirit into the wilderness, and I saw the woman sitting on the scarlet-covered beast, full of names of blasphemy, having seven heads and ten horns. This is the beast that was described a couple chapters back that came out of the pit. It represents Satan and his whole system. And false religion rides upon Satan. <laughs> okay? And this is one of the reasons we know that it is Satan. And we've talked about the seven heads and the ten horns, which we'll cover more as we get further in here. And the woman was arrayed in purple, 
scarlet color, decked in gold and precious stones and pearls, having a golden cup in her hand full of the abominations and filthiness of her fornication. So it's picturing somebody that's very beautiful. And very rich and beautiful, and she's using that for her power. It's, well, that's all what religion's all about. Yeah. You know, here, I'm going to offer you, I'm going to offer you whatever. You know, and most religion does offer you some great benefit. And this woman is dressed and it's very alluring, alluring. And religion is alluring to people because it says, well, if you come and you do good, you'll get rewarded. You do, you act, you do, you know, and you get the reward. Christianity comes along and says, be crucified, die to yourself, and God will come in and, 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 and give you a, all the riches. And the flesh comes up and says, I don't like that idea. And I've said it over and over, and I've, and I've experienced it when I've witnessed to people. You'll hear something like, well, it can't be that easy. Well, obviously, it must not be easy because you're not willing to even try it. You're not willing to do it. Because the flesh is saying, I don't have any part of Christianity, and it's hard for people to commit to Christianity because the work is done by God and not by me. And the flesh is going, no, I don't like that. I don't want to be crucified. I want to do something. And that's why false religions work so great for people. All I got to do is do a bunch of good things, give lots of money, and I'm going to please God. I, I, can, I can get into that. My flesh is happy with that. Uh, my, my desire is to do good. You know, well, it's not to do good, but you know, they, they feel that they can s discipline themselves to do good. And they get the reward, and they get to be lifted up in their, in their, in, in their pride. And this is why this woman is dressed up so beautifully to draw people to, to her. Verse 5. Upon her forehead was the name written, Mystery Babylon the Great, the mother and harlot and abominations of the earth. So her name is part Mystery Babylon. It goes all the way back. And there, if you study up on this, and I don't really recommend it, but if you study up on this, you can learn a lot about Mystery Babylon. It is... It has a lot of elements of what Christianity was going to bring out. It has a mother represented here in this scripture here who rides on a dragon in, 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 that, in, the, in it. Uh, she gives birth to a child who supposedly was a virgin-born born child and who died, and then her child dies and is gone for three days and comes back, you know. Uh, elements of Christianity are within this religion. Is the one that had all, believed in all the bad that was, they said the bad was good, the good was bad? They were part of that, they were yeah. part of that, yes. Yeah. Uh, Babylon had uh, the 36 gods and, you know, it was part of, part of the, the, the magic cube where all the columns and rows equal 666 on, you know, will add up to 111 and bottom and top will add up to 666, which could very well be part of the, the number of the beast that we talked about on that particular lesson. Uh, but Mystery Babylon is the foundation of all these religions against God and started with Nimrod, the mighty hunter, and, and the Tower of Babel trying to do, do things man's way to reach God. And so it all goes all the way back, all the way back into chapter 9 of Genesis where all of this stuff happens. And it is not a new thing. And this is why we keep bringing this up. There's nothing new under, under the, the sun. sun. All the false religions go back into this Babylonian religion. All of the, you know, all the things that keep happening are, all have their roots. And this is one of the reasons I, I truly believe that the first 
11 chapters of Genesis are probably the most important chapters in the Bible because they lay the foundation for everything. Why do we have family? Why do we have government? What, you know, where do the false religions come from? Uh, why, why does God, you know, how is God judged? Why, why do the, why were sacrifices made? You know, where did evil come from? You know, all of this stuff is located in Genesis. And if you know those first 11 chapters of Genesis, you can really answer everybody's questions when they come to you, when you think about it, because it is the foundation of everything. Well, I never thought of it. I'm going to have to read it again. Well, it is. It's the foundation. Why? How, where did we come from? Where, where did sin come from? Where did evil come from? Where did the family come from? Where, where did the government come from? All of the stuff that we have out there, their answers are laid in those first chapters of Genesis. And very important chapters. And we're going to be, you know, my goal is to go through every book of the Bible, but we're going to go through the, you know, probably like every three or four years, I want to go through this, the first 11 chapters of Genesis to relay down foundation. Because if, if, and Satan is trying hard to destroy those foundational truths. He's trying to destroy family. Why is he trying to destroy family? Because God created family. Man and wife, husband and wife, man and woman, coming together to form one unit as a family. It represents the picture of Jesus Christ and, the, and his bride, the church. So again, if he destroys that, he destroys the picture. All of these things are out there. And why is evil out there? Well, because God gave us a free will and we chose to disobey. And so we have evil. What is the, what is the punishment for evil? The punishment for evil is death, eternal death. And God's got a gift, even from the very first verses. In, in Genesis 3, he said that his son was going to come and bruise the, you know, the, the serpent would bruise his heel, but he'd crush the serpent's head. So we saw the very the redemption right from the very beginning. Everything is right there in Genesis in those first first chapters. Very important to get to know those chapters. Verse 6, And I saw the woman drunken with the blood of the saints and with the blood of the martyrs of Jesus. And when I saw her, I wondered with great admiration. And this word translated admiration really means mar he marveled at, he wondered at, rather than ad admiration. Uh, he was like, why, how, you know, how can this person, how can this be so powerful? And because the false religion has persecuted Christians and Jews since the beginning of time, all right? Or at least since Jewish, the Jewish people were born out of Abraham. And so this false religion has been against Christianity. They will tolerate each other, no problem, Okay. They're, they have no problem. The Muslims will tolerate just about every religion except for Christianity and Jewish, Jew, Jewish people because they're the real, the real. They're following the real God. The Buddhists are, will get along with everybody, but they still have problems with Christianity. And false religions will accept any other religion. Pretty much because they don't care. And the, the Muslims kind of get a little, little you've got to be worshiping the one God. But the ones that are out to kill are Christians and Jews. They're not out to kill... Hindus and Muslims, uh, Hindus and Buddhists and all of that, they're out to kill Christians and Jews. And we see this one world government uh, religion starting to be formed. And we're seeing it even today, where you're saying, and even in Kingman a couple of weeks ago, they had this big ecumenical service where the Muslims and a yeah, uh, number of Christian 
quote-unquote Christian churches got together to say they're all worshiping the same God. Yeah, they sing Kumbaya. I don't know what they sang. <laughs> you know, that's I, the old... I have no idea what they sang, but uh, well, Kumbaya is always a Christian song from, yeah. from Africa. Is it really? Right. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, that was a Christian song. Yeah, My we, mom sang that. We used to sing it all the time in well, Christian churches. Yeah, it's kind of a joke thing. They'd be yeah. all saying it held hands, hands across America or whatever, yeah. around the world. Uh, but it has no... And, but this is what's going on. The world is coming against Christianity because Christians want, are willing to take a stand that God, what God says is true. We're not willing, as we've, if we're following the scriptures, we're not willing to accept homosexuality. We're not willing to accept fornication. We're not willing to accept adultery. We're not willing to, to accept people who lie. You, know, you go right down the list of what, what the world is trying to tell us is okay, and Christians say no, <laughs> no. And then you get these people who claim to be Christians and claim to be Christian churches and they go, well, no, we can, we can just be part of one big group. It's no big deal. And, they're, and those Christian churches are going to be the ones that make it difficult on the real Christian churches that are holding on to God's word. Because people are going to point to them, well, they, they, they don't have any problem with it. Or they accept it. Yeah, they accept all those things. Why, why are you being hold of that old-fashioned book? and not making any changes. The churches that are abandoning the scriptures, uh, the Lutherans just had a big split recently because they decided to ordain homosexual pastors. And so the ones that are Lutheran holding on to the Bible said, you know, you're either going to change or we're leaving, and, and they had a big split. Well, it sounds like a wonderful idea, but it doesn't work. I see. Uh, because that means we have to abandon our standards, say, okay, this is what it means to be saved, but you say, uh, you know, you do good works to be saved, you know, and so how do we say that Jesus is the one way to wave and accepting him, but good works for you and thinking good thoughts for you and living, living enough lives until you get perfect is for you, and then we're going, false religion has been battling against God for most of the, most of the history of this world. And she's gotten drunk on it. You know, she's, she's, the false religions get very strong out of all of this. Verse 7, And the angel said unto me, Wherefore do you marvel? I will tell you the mystery of the woman and of the beast that carries her, that has the seven heads and the seven horns. So we're, this is one of these nice verses, chapters where we're told exactly what everything means. But, you know, it's still a little bit of symbol, but we're going to look at it. Verse, nine, uh, verse 8, The beast that you saw was and is not and shall ascend out of the bottomless pit and go into perdition. And they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the earth when they behold the beast that was and is and is that that was and is not and and yet is. So if we remember back when we saw the beast coming out of the pit a couple chapters ago and it had this ten horns and the and the and the seven uh, heads and we talked about it back then. That was the picture of Satan coming out to set up his rule. And he says, this is the beast that will ascend out of that bottomless pit. Okay? And it says he, he, is, he, he was and is not and, and is yet to come. Satan ruled in heaven. He doesn't rule now. And he will rule for a short time in the future. So this is why it's very clear on this when we look at who, he, who it's talking about. Jesus took his power away from him on the cross, and he's going to give him a little short time of seven years to be running the world again and trying to destroy it. And it says that this, he will go into perdition, that ruin, destruction, basically hell. 
or in, in reality, the lake of fire at the end, at the very, very end. Uh, we'll talk about that. Do you guys realize that you've got hell, which is the holding place for, for the departed souls right now? Then you have the lake of fire, which is where they will go at the end of time when the world oh, is destroyed. So after that is okay. at, after, after the white throne judgment, he'll, they will be cast into the lake of fire. And that is their eternal home. Hell is a temporary, kind of like the holding, holding cell of, a, of the jails where they're wow. waiting, for, waiting for trial. And then you go into the prison. <laughs> Named a nice town perdition. I thought that was a nice name. No, no, that's not a very nice name at all. It's they destruction. Named, they named a town. It means destruction, perishing, wow, ruin. Wow, I, I knew I... Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> and they that dwell on the earth shall wonder whose names were not written in the book of life from the foundation of the world. So everybody who's not saved. <laughs> okay. And you remember when we talked about the book of life, it's a Hebrew term... When an army went to battle, all of their names were written down in the Book of Life. And as they died or didn't return from battle, their names were scratched out of the Book of Life. And that's why he says in the, all through the scriptures that you don't want your name to be taken out of the Book of Life. God put everybody's name there who's ever lived, and many will have their name taken out when they die because they have rejected him. And so we want to we want to make sure that uh, our names are in the book of life. But it says that those whose names were not written in the book of life marveled at the beast. So the last one would be there's nothing after the lake of fire. It's just the lake of fire. Lake of fire for for eternity. Yeah. So it'd be held in the lake of fire, not right. further, like you said. That. Right. Holding and then that's the, like the Most thing. people join the two together, but they're not technically See, the I same. See, I thought they were together. Yeah, they're not. They're not technically the same. I mean, the the equivalent is hell is not a pleasant place either. Yeah. It's it's fire and brimstone. No, but and, I like how you explain and it. Like punishment. This is the, the holding cell and this is the. Yeah. That, that it's it's not so really a lot. It's not that different. You know, the yeah, the but, holding cell. You're not. You know, it's not permanent, and yeah. hell is permanent. Uh, Except in this case, when you're in the holding cell getting ready to go to the court, you are definitely going to be guilty. You're not, yeah. you don't go to the holding cell if you're, if you're innocent. Free. Yeah, so yeah, the, 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 my, my analogy kind of broke down at that point. You know, if you're there, you're not, getting, you're not going to go to court and find yourself innocent and say, well, I, I suffered. You're, you're, you are getting life. Yeah. You are guilty. You're not getting 10 years, you're getting life. <laughs> yeah, you're getting life, and it's going to be just as bad as what you're in, but, you know, permanent, so... And again, Satan is not the ruler of either one. He is a prisoner of hell, and he is a prisoner of the lake of fire. So he is, and I bring that up because a lot of people think that Satan is trying to build a kingdom and that he's in charge of hell. No, well, he is the prisoner. I thought he was in charge of hell. Then. He is a prisoner. The hell and the lake of fire were created for, for Satan and his demons to be punished for eternity, not to be the ruler of. He he is a he will be a prisoner, and that's why when we get to it, it's going to be, and the people will wonder at, and say, is this the one that brought so much trouble to the world, when they see Satan? Oh, I thought like he would be like. He is not building a kingdom. Like the kingdom, you know. Nope. Like he's the one that they're going to be ordering, you know. Nope. He is a prisoner with them. All he is trying to do is hurt God as much as he can by taking as many of his precious creation so to hell with him. Wow. Right now he's a ruler, but he yeah, will yeah, be yeah, yeah, yeah. a prisoner. Right now he rules and 
and has a kingdom that he's trying to build in opposition of God, but when he's sent to hell, he is a prisoner of hell. So he, he's stupid then. Very much. And people are stupid to follow him. Really? But that is, I didn't know that. I thought he would be the, the head guy, you know. Most people do, and that's why I bring that out as often as I can, because I want people to realize he's not building a kingdom. He's not building, he's not building he's just a, something. He's gathering everybody up to go in there. He's just wanting to hurt as many people. Yeah. He's an animal that's wounded in a corner who knows its, knows its time is up, and he's fighting with for all that he's worth and, and being very ferocious in this process. All right, verse 9, and, and here is the mind which has wisdom. The seven heads are seven mountains on which the woman sits. All right. Most commentators that you read will tell you that the seven mountains represents Rome. I don't believe that. And they will then, they will then go pounding upon the Roman Catholic Church. And it has many problems. But I don't believe that it is what this verse is talking about. <laughs> will they be part of the Antichrist world system? Probably. But I do not believe that these seven hills <laughs> are the seven hills of Rome. And that's immediately where most people, you know, most commentators go. I do believe that the seven hills represent the seven great kingdoms of this world that are out there. All right? And so because the hill can also represent power and authority. And it could also represent the seven continents of this world so that she's sitting upon the world. All right, so there's many things that this particular thing can mean. Uh, but the seven heads generally represent, are generally considered to be the seven mighty kingdoms, Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greek, Rome, and then the revived Roman Empire. Oh, that's good that you said it because my girlfriend, like I said, she's Seventh-day Adventist, and they believe in that. They believe it's Rome. No, they believe oh. of the, what you just said, all of okay. those things. No. A lot of them believe it's Rome, too, because they're very anti-Catholic. <laughs> very, very. Yeah. So. But no, she's Seventh-day Adventist. Yeah. And so, and it says, and, and there are seven kings... Five are fallen, one is, and the other is not yet come. And when he comes, he must in continue for a short space. Again, seven kings, five are fallen. This is at, day, at, at John's day. Egypt, Assyria, Babylon, Medo-Persian, Greek. Five kingdoms had fallen. All right? The one that was current at his time was Rome. The one that is yet to come is our day when the Roman Empire is kind of brought back together with and it represents the ten toes of the of King Nebuchadnezzar's statue that he remember if you remember back to that the, they didn't include Egypt in that statue they started at Nebuchadnezzar as the head of gold then they went to Medo-Persia then they went to the Greeks then they went to the Romans the Roman Empire never truly collapsed if you know your history the Roman Empire First split into two, uh, the the Eastern Roman Empire, which was in Constantinople, and the Western Empire, which was still in Rome, and then it split up into all these little ten groups, <laughs> and that represented the ten toes, and then in our day, it's starting to try to come back together as a European uh, conglomerate of nations. 
and could even be the EU bringing together the Roman Empire uh, to a degree that's not quite perfect in that because it includes places that weren't part of the Roman Empire originally. Uh, but we're going to see this happening. The Roman Empire trying to put back together its power. And again, a lot of times commentators will go, well, this is, Ro this is the, the Catholic Church coming back under power. Well, I'm not so sure that it is. I don't... I know that the, the Catholic Church will be part of the one world government and have a big part of that as, as uh, one world religion as they bring, somehow bring Judaism, uh, uh, Muslims and, and Catholics together. And our po current Pope is talking about trying to do that kind of stuff. And now? he, yeah, this current Pope is willing to sacrifice just about everything the Catholic Church has stood strong on to bring unity amongst the different religions. There's a lot of Muslims out there. And so. I couldn't believe it. Saw the map of the world. Oh yeah, the Muslim Muslim is pretty close to the world religion right now. I couldn't believe it. And they've taken over. They've taken over, and a lot of Europe, a lot of the churches in Europe have a, a really crazy mix of uh, of the Muslim worldview and and Christian worldview. Because I'm not, not sure if you know your history well enough, but the Ottoman Empire, which was a Muslim empire, pushed all the way up into nor uh, southeastern Europe, and was, you know, all those different countries up there, uh, Bulgaria so and all of that. Basically, they did what what Muhammad did. They marched marched into the city and say, "Convert or die." Yeah. Okay, so they would quote the, they would chant the prayer. You know, of. Uh, uh, Muhammad, uh, Allah is they the one and one, one God, God and, yeah. and Muhammad is Holy Prophet, or whatever, whatever yeah. that pillar yeah. statement is. Yeah. And then the empire would roll on to the next town. So these guys, uh, okay, now we're, we're Muslims, but we're Christians, and they, or Catholics, actually, really. And they would try to mix the two together, and they ended up with some very strange blends That's what they call Catholic. of religious. It's the word Catholic universal. Well, Catholic is universal. Small c Catholic is what the church is. Uh, small c, small c Catholic means universal, and that's where they took the Roman Catholic Church and they made it a big C. And once they made it big C on there, it means something totally different. Uh -huh. It still means literally universal, yeah. but it means a lot more. With it. when you put Roman and Catholic with that big C in it, you're 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 talking something very different from what the theologians will say when we are when they will say that the Christian is a, the Catholic faith. So that's a whole study in itself. It's a whole study in itself how the Roman Catholic took that term, changed it, and then then reapplied things. And the the whole problem on this is when the Roman Catholic Church started, they weren't the official Church of Rome, but they were the approved Church of Rome. You could worship how you wanted to, but if you really wanted to go somewhere in the government and, and the kingdom, you needed to be Roman Catholic. Wow. So what people were doing is they were, you know, here, here we are worshiping our Roman gods. And I always mix up. I don't remember if it was, I think it was Zeus on the Roman side and Jupiter on the, the Greek, but whichever way it was, they would, they would take that god out of the pantheon of gods and they would put in, you know, Jesus. And then they would take out, you know, uh, Mercury and Athena uh -huh. and all these people, and they would put in Paul and Peter and Mary. And, and so this is what was happening. They're going, okay, we're Christians. Okay, okay we're just praying to different, <laughs> different gods.
it started out with good intentions, but because it left the roots of where it was at, it became very much a muddled thing. And we, that's why I say to witness to any, anybody is easy. You are a sinner. You're, you deserve hell. Jesus paid the price. <laughs> Accept him. Uh, because I'm not going to sit there and ar- try to argue, out-argue somebody about their beliefs that they probably don't know that they believe in the first place. Same thing with some of the things that the Jehovah's Witnesses believe. I'm not going to sit there and try to argue with them about the, the really things that the, all the people in the very top know about, but they probably don't know anything about. I'm not going to sit there and argue with a Buddhist about what they believe or a Hindu about what they believe or ask a Hindu, which of the millions of gods are you worship, do you worship? Because all of that is irrelevant. And, and even if I out-argue them, then they're going to go talk to their pastor or whatever their teacher's called, and they're going to explain to them why I'm wrong yeah. and bring them back in. So my goal is to get them saved, let God get in their heart and make them a new, new cre- creation, get them in the Word, and the Holy Spirit will get them out of what they're doing permanently. So this is why it's so important. Not that I know everything there is to know about somebody else's religion, because I can't, it's not going to work. I, I mean, I may convince them for a short period of time, and I'm not that great an orator, but you know, I've met people who can try to, try to argue, argue with them and... and uh, it just doesn't work because usually they don't know what they believe either, you know, fully what they believe either. And you can say, well, this is what your book's saying. You might even be able to show them that they're not, it's not going to work in the long run. 11, and the beast that was and is not, even he is the eighth and is the seventh and, of, and is of the seven and goes into perdition. So the seventh is the revived Roman Empire, okay? He's very much part, the beast is very much part of that revival. It's bounded in materialism and false religion. And the eighth is his power. This, that's the last seven years of, of, the, of the reign when he is going to rule directly over the world. So there, that's where we are. And, he, and it says he must continue for a short space. And it says again, and goes into perdition. <laughs> so it goes into punishment, goes into destruction. And the ten horns which you saw are the ten kings that received no, king, that received no kingdom as yet but received power as kings one hour with the beast. So these are the ten kingdoms that come back up at the end days, okay, when the beast rules. And we talked about that, when we talked about the beast coming up, we talked about there's all kinds of different pictures of these ten ten kingdoms. Uh, It could be the revived Roman Empire with the ten toes. It could be part of the UN's process where the UN has divided the entire world into 10 regions. So it could be a person ruling each region during the beast's rule. Uh, It could be any number of (laughs) anything on that. I tend to kind of lean a little bit toward the UN because I believe the UN is going to be part of building that one world government (coughs) and I believe the Antichrist will come out of authority there because the UN is trying to grab more and more power to itself. And the world, and the scary thing about this, if you've talked to anybody who's gone to college and comes out of college, they believe that there shouldn't be nations, there shouldn't be countries. They believe that we are all just one big world and we should have just one government that rules everything. When you hear people like Obama saying those kind of things, he believes it because he was trained that way. And our current rulers are trained into believing that there there is no special thing about each country. When Obama talks about not having American exceptionalism, it is because he believes there shouldn't be borders. He believes that there should just be one 
big world out there. That is. It's hard for us to believe because we're from another generation. We're from a generation that believes in patriotism and nationalism and, and your country is important, okay? But the current generation coming out of college, or even for the last 30 years coming out of college, has not been taught that. Have they been taught And that, they believe they want to as one big nation? Yeah, they don't believe that because there's been so many problems. There's been so many problems with governments fighting each other and, yeah. and misusing misusing uh, resources and there's haves and have-nots and all these. Yeah, they'll think they'll eliminate war. They, they think they'll eliminate war. They think they will eliminate poverty by going to one world, uh, yeah. one world government. And, and part of that one world government will be to get rid of religion because... It's not just nations who cause war, it's religions that cause war. And this is what they're taught. And this is what they believe. And so when you listen to politicians sometimes and you'll hear them talk about how the no country is better than the other and, they, and they're all leading, leaning toward and, and working toward one world. And this is why our, our governments go to the UN to try to solve problems that they can't, especially in America where they have to get the Congress and the states all to work together. They oftentimes will try to go to the UN to try to put pressure on the different groups in the states to fix these. Didn't that used to be the League of Nations or something? It was the League of Nations after World War One, and it didn't have enough power, so they made it the UN after World Two, World War Two, gave it more power, and it's trying to consolidate. It wants a it wants a a world tax so it can get stronger. That's almost like saying that the United States, say California, the whole thing. That was under Wilson. They did that League of Nations thing. Mm -hmm. So all of this stuff Sounds is good. part of part of this whole process of trying to bring the world under one ruler. And obviously, once you have one yeah. one government, then you have Satan rising up, and it's it's all the pieces are all there. And this is one of the things that we see: the more and more power that the UN grabs, the more we see the one world coming together. The more we see these churches coming together and the Christian church, you know, mainstream denominational Christians, Christian churches dropping the standards of the word of God and, and open arm accepting of these other religions, the more we see this time coming. So that's scary then for the true Christian church. It's going to be hard for them. It's going to be very hard for them. Then you look at what the world is doing right now, and especially America is doing it, but I'm sure it's happening in all the world. They have an emergency system that's designed to pull everybody together under one, one command to handle emergencies. And I had to study that when I, when I started my second job, my new job out there, and it scares the daylights out of me how easy they could Form, control, control everything by putting all the groups underneath one, one, one command center. It's great for, I mean, it's a great plan. It's great for getting emergencies fixed. Yeah. But I see it as into the end day times to control everything and bring all, all groups under one command. That scares me. If you have a big enough emergency, the process is already in place to start. And I am pr pretty sure they probably do it across the board and with, with other countries. So it's going to be, everything is coming together. Everything is coming together for this scenario to come into being. And when we say we're at the end days, I truly believe we are at the end days. Nothing in this book is no longer feasible to us. It used to be that we couldn't understand how they could have no money. Because money was everything. You, know, you didn't have plastic. You didn't have, you know, you had some checks to a degree, but... 
but you money, you had to have hard money to do anything. Now most people don't even touch money. Well, it's you all, look at at the casino when I used to work years ago. They had the real money. money. Now they're the it's all chips. Oh, not, not even cards now. Yeah, money not even that. It's those receipt things. Yeah, you don't I even touch. You don't even touch money there. You just put your money in the thing, and it accepts your money. Yeah. So, but here you have the ten countries starting, and I do believe it's part of the UN's ten regions. And I'm not going to stand real strong on that, but that's my general belief: is that it's the ten regions of the UN. Whether it's going to be the UN that actually implements it or not, but, and it says. Verse 13, and these have one mind and shall give their power and strength to the beast. So these 10 people are given authority and then the beast comes along and they say, here, it's all yours. You, you have everything, you're in command. And that could be because of all the emergencies and the disasters that have happened. We just read through the, the trumpets and the vials and all the hard things. At that point, they're gonna say, we need one leader. We need one leader to organize everything, to bring all the all the resources together because remember a lot of the resources have been destroyed and the people have already been taught especially college educated people most of the problem is the country's not sharing their resources and not not being generous with them and so here we see the ten leaders saying okay we, we've got our one leader he's gonna fix everything <laughs> this is the false messiah coming along he, he, he's got the power to fix everything. If we just give him enough power and we'll just give him everything, that sounds scary. he'll fix everything. The good news is we won't be here. Yeah, that's, that's the good But it's not going to be good for the people here. That. They're going to be deceived as they give their power to their false messiah, the Antichrist, and say, here, we're going to give you all the power to fix the problems. We're going to give you the military. We're going to give you the, the resources. We're going to give you the funding. We're going to give you the, wow. the, the people. Everything you need to fix all these problems is yours. And this is where the, the, end, the very end is starting to come. The very end is coming. And it says, These shall make war with the Lamb, and the Lamb shall overcome them, for he is the Lord of lords, the King of kings, and they that are with him are called and chosen and faithful. Satan is going to mobilize the world to fight against Jesus when he returns. Very short war. Jesus speaks a word and they're dead. But they're going to fight against God. Because they're already blaming him. If you remember during the trumpets and the vials, they're blaming God for all these problems. And you know he is allowing them, obviously. He's, he's judging on them. But they're supposed to turn to him, but they're going to accuse him of not being loving, not being good. And they already have rejected him in their lifetime. So, And here they are. They're going to fight against him. And it says, He said unto me, The waters which you saw where the horse sits are people's, multitudes and nations and tongues so he's defining the water it's the world <laughs> she sits upon the world false religion sits upon the world the ten horns which you saw upon the beast these shall hate the whore and shall make her desolate and naked and shall eat her flesh and burn her with fire so in the end days false religion is going to be destroyed as far as its general because Satan is going to want them worshiping him. So he's going to destroy all religions who are thinking that they were coming together and trying to build this one world religion, and he's going to dissuade and say, no, I'm the one to worship. 
And this goes back to the picture of him when he comes against the Jews and, he's, and he stands up in the temple and when he's tricked the Jews into believing that he's there, he's the Messiah. And then at the halfway point, he stands up in the temple and says, I am God, worship me. And then their eyes are opened and they realize that they've been tricked. And so all of this at the end will be religion destroyed and Satan saying, no, no religions, no false stuff. You're not trying to get to heaven. You're, you are to worship me. I am God is what he's trying to, going to say at this point. Dictator, right? <laughs> dictator, yes. Ultimate dictator at this point. And then it says, For God has put in their hearts to fulfill his will and, and to agree and give their kingdoms unto the beast and, until the words of God shall be fulfilled. God is still in control of the tribulation period. <laughs> okay? It's not that he has just said, okay, I'm totally not doing anything. He is still in control. And at this verse 17, he says, he puts it in their hearts to give everything to Satan and to... So and he's just standing back. He's just standing back and letting them, other than, other than the judgments yeah. he's throwing at them, but he's, not, but he's not lacking control. Because remember, the most important thing on this is remember is we, everything is held together by Jesus. That's what the scriptures tell us. And when you know your science, I've always wondered, you know, when I was in science class, I always wondered, how does an atom hold together? Electrons should be dropping into the protons, and the protons should be shooting away from each other. Basic electronics. And yet it doesn't. And they'll tell you, well, it's this, this nuclear force that, that works. I go, okay, well, that doesn't explain anything. What's this nuclear force that you're talking Well, we don't really know. It's God. It's God holding it together. Uh, so, but... Well, God's, because he created the earth, he created everything, so... And he holds it he, together. Yeah. He literally holds everything together in a very literal format. And then the last verse of this, The woman which you saw in the great city, which reigns over the kings of the earth. So, there was the woman, the false religion. And this, this is a picture of false religion, the very beginning. The, the beautiful woman, the whore... <laughs> Yeah, uh, when you when you first was reading, I was when you said that. I said, "Does that really mean whore?" Yes. Uh, when when you said that, then I said, "Yeah, I guess it really does mean whore." It really does because yeah. it is everything against God, and God, God kept telling the Jews, "You've gone a whoring after other gods. You're my bride, and you've gone to prostitute but yourself." See, even that word to me, I said, "That's way back then," and that's the word they use now. Like you said, there's nothing new under the sun. Yeah. Whore was used back then, and I thought that was just something. Mm -hmm. Whore, prostitute, it's all the yeah. same. It's all the same. How, all the when same. I've been reading, like, I said, God, this sounds like a book that they just made, you know, on some of the, th the words, you know, but it's amazing. There, it, everything has always been there. Prostit they say yeah. prostitution is the oldest, you know, yeah. uh, profession in the world, and it's pretty close. I mean, it's not. Yeah, because really, really. Farming close. is actually the oldest one, because that's what Ab uh, Adam yeah. was told to do, but. It's pretty close to one of the originals because like it starts out and it starts in with within a couple chapters in Genesis. You're already, you've got prostitution going on. Let's close in prayer. Lord, we just thank for this day. We thank for the opportunity we have to come before you and, and see. And just, Lord, we ask that you help us to avoid false religion. Always stay in the scriptures and do things the way that you want us to do. And give us the opportunity to share you with others. And we just thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.